أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله I just came from Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, where Bhai Humam is from and uh, it was an important program I oftentimes will not go to programs that will cause me to miss or could come close even to Riyadh the Salihin uh, being missed um, but it was an important program uh, it was hosted by the Al Mahmoud Foundation anyone know who Mahmoud is? yeah so the Mahmoud that that one is named after it's the same person that Sheikh Al-Hind is named after, Mawana Mahmoud Al-Hassan, uh, the great grand Sheikh of ours. Very interesting person, Mujahid in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and epic scholar, Sufi of the first grade. About his greatness, you can tell from his students, the people who came from his lineage uh, uh, in Hadith and in uh, the other branches of ilm. And about his a struggle against the British you can read about his uh, being captured uh, uh, and imprisoned in solitary confinement in Malta for those who don't know what Malta is Malta is a crusader fortress island in the middle of the Mediterranean all of its population at one point were Muslims and they were converted by force but because it was such a backwoods um, they couldn't force them to abandon the Arabic language. So they speak quote-unquote Maltese, it's just Arabic, and they say grazie instead of shukran, and they count in Italian. Um, they speak in particular the dialect of Sicily. The mainland of Sicily, they got people to stop speaking Arabic to some degree, although they couldn't purge the language entirely. So they still say things like miskin. The old part of the city is still called Medina, right? The channels that... that, that, that uh, Irrigate the places are still uh, the irrigate the farms are still called qanat. Uh, the uh, uh, word for castle is still qala'a. They don't say the ain anymore. They just say qala. So qala chibeta, qala berber, like berber castle, right? Uh, to this day, uh, whereas Malta, the Maltese, it was such a backwoods. They didn't really even uh, bother to uh, get them to switch their language to this day. Although they destroyed all the masajid and banned Islam, uh, and uh, so. Uh, the British uh, had possession of this island at some point, and so Sheikh Al-Hind was imprisoned there for uh, uh, for years in solitary confinement because that was the prison for the elite enemies of the British Empire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala count us amongst them. Ameen. And mashallah, it's gone now, and may uh, nothing that resembles it ever come back. Uh, inshallah, our brothers and sisters, if they make Toba in England, inshallah, will be the first ones to help them rebuild it, rebuild empire. But it should be not like the old one. Um, but uh, uh, the you know Sheikh Al Hind, mashallah, his humility uh, was such that uh, one of the visiting ulama once came to him to visit him from a long way. He arrived uh, uh, right before Maghrib. He was shown into the house by. Uh, a, a servant uh, of dark skin, disheveled uh, uh, countenance and simple uh, clothing and he um, uh, he was given water for wudu and uh, facility to pray 
and the servant came in and asked, you know, would you like anything to drink? Can I get you some food? And uh, what happened, he served him, and then after waiting for a very long time, he called the servant, he's like, look, I came from a very long way. I don't have all that much time. And uh, I, uh, I want to, I need to say, you know, talk to uh, Sheikh Al-Hind and, uh, you know, can you please like hurry it up a little bit, tell him I'm waiting. Uh, and uh, the servant said to him, he says that this is your humble servant. How can I help you? And uh, this is, these are, these are the people, these mashaykhar, mashallah, that's who Sheikh Al-Hind is named after, by the way. So, uh, Sheikh Faraz, mashallah, is a visionary uh, man and a pious man. He's been having a, an annual retreat in their Masjid Hamza that they acquired a couple of years ago. And the retreat, all of the themes of the retreat are uh, in a certain sequence. And uh, the sequence, first he talked, uh, first they had the retreat about the love of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then the love of the Khulafa Rashidun, and then the love of the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then this one was about the love of the Sahaba, Radiallahu Anhum. And this is exactly a tartib that is that is uh, modeled on the aqidah of the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah. Tahawi rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that man ahsan al-qawl, whoever speaks only beautifully about the, the, the companions of the Messenger of Allah and the family of the Messenger of Allah and the wives of the Messenger of Allah, فَقَدْ بَرِئَ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ This is a sign that this person is absolved of hypocrisy. Uh, this is not a rhetorical flourish from a an, an orator or a rhetorician. This is a very condensed work that is there to summarize the aqidah of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. And so it was a beautiful gathering. It was a nice gathering, mashallah. And uh, I wanted to share some uh, small idea from that as well with us, given that the time of our darsis. Uh, mostly been spent uh, on the taxiway of the O'Hare airport while my South Indian friend who was sitting next to me uh, that obviously just fellow passenger who was sitting next to me was freaking out because he missed his connecting flight to Dubai so he has no idea where he's going to get uh, Dosa and Idli from uh, this late in Chicago but uh, uh, the the thing that touches the heart about the companions radiallahu anhum that somebody may think well they love the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and i love the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they love islam and i love islam and they love allah and i love allah and they sacrificed and i sacrificed um one might think okay fine they sacrificed more than me but you know i'm still sacrificing somehow or another uh, the inspiration that a person sees from their example is how personally they took the love of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How they used to address him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They didn't used to address him by name Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They're not on a first name basis. This is something completely like scratches the chalkboard of my soul. Uh, when you hear even a khatib giving khutbah that refers to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is that Muhammad said this, Muhammad said, وَلِعِيَادُ بِاللَّهِ Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yes, it's factually correct. That's his name. There's nothing, I guess, in that sense illegal or like haram about taking his name like that sallallahu alaihi wasallam but look at how the the companions radiallahu anhum used to take his name they used to call him they'd say abi wa ummi abi wa ummi fidaka ya rasulullah that may my father and mother be your sacrifice o messenger of allah 
for those of you who may require some cultural context, those were the days when people used to love their parents more than they loved anything else. And uh, uh, they used to refer to him, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Nabi Allah. They used to refer to him as the Messenger of Allah and the Prophet of Allah Ta'ala. And they used to speak to him softly and not raise uh, their voices in front of him. And they considered raising their voice in front of him to be a sign of nifaq. Abdullah, uh, Umar bin As radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was not from the, uh, uh, you know, he was not from the, the first of the Muhajirin, but from the last of them. He was one of the most bitter enemies of Islam. And he was the one who attempted to basically bring back the Muhajirin that made Hijra to Habasha uh, in chains. Uh, and he was known as the, the Dahi of Quraysh. He was the clever one who knew how to talk, talk his way through and into and through things. He knew how to convince people of stuff. And uh, he employed it all over the place in order, to, uh, in order to harm Islam and in order to impede Islam. Even he mentions that if you ask me to describe him, I couldn't describe him to you. Because from the time I took Shahada, I didn't have enough courage even to look at him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this reverence, what does it mean? It means that they took it personally. So many stories. How many stories are we, are we going to share? I want to share one story in particular. And this is not about the Khulafa Rashidun. This is not about the Azwaj Mutaharat. This is not about the Ahlul Bayt. This is not about the Ashara Mubashirin Bil Jannah. This is about someone from the rank and file of the Ansar. Their numbers are too great to count. And their, uh, uh, their numbers are too great to count. And they, they weren't people who were from the noble patrician companions, uh, عنهم, of the first order. And maybe somebody doesn't even know who they are or hasn't heard much about them. So there's a story about Abu Dujana عنهم, that the Rasul وسلم, on the battlefield when the Muslim army was arrayed. He had a sword and he said, who will fight with this? Who will take this from me and fight with it? And all of the companions, radiallahu anhum, said that we'll take it. And then he asked, who will take it with his haq, with its right? What is the right of it is to fight until either victory or uh, until shahadat, not, not to hold back. And everybody just paused for a moment just to think about it. And he's the only one who didn't skip a beat. And he stood forward in, in front of everybody and said, I'll take it, Ya Rasulullah. And so the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gave him uh, the sword and he started to vaunt in front of the entire army. He started to show off how tough he was in front of the entire army, you know. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa smiled at him and said that, Abu Dujana, if you did this in any other occasion, in any other circumstance, you would have been the most hated of people to Allah. Allah Ta'ala doesn't love arrogant people. But he says, you did this this time, in this day, in this place, in this occasion, in this circumstance. He says, because of it, you're the most beloved of people to Allah Ta'ala. And uh, this is also something important. It's good to be humble. Save your humility for, you know, when you meet your mother and grandmother. But when you stand in front of non-Muslims, show your dignity. And when you stand in front of an antagonistic non-Muslim or somebody, even who's a Muslim, we don't have the right to judge who's a munafiq and who's not, because we don't know what's inside of people's hearts, but sometimes Muslims also will 
um, very clearly, very clearly do something just in order to denigrate the deen. That you show not only your dignity, but you show your strength. We're not talking about something like a petty thing inside the household. We're talking about somebody who's actually actively, uh, actively trying to damage the deen very clearly without, uh, you know, any reference to personal familial issues, spousal issues, right? Um, that in those cases you show your strength. You show you show your strength to to that person. That this is not going to be easy for you to to push. At any rate, so Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He then took the sword and he walked back to the uh, the encampment of the Ansar. And Sayyidina Zubair bin Awam radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, I wanted to see who is this guy. The Rasul sallallahu he obviously doesn't do stuff for free. Who is this guy? He gave him the sword. Uh, and so he said, I followed him. I followed him back into the, into the ranks of the Ansar. And they were whispering amongst each other that he's taken out the Isabatul Mult. He's taken out the turban of death. And so I saw him tying a red turban. What color? A red turban. Like, you know, red is interesting because it's the eye actually involuntarily follow it. That's why, like, Chinese weapons, they have, like, the red streamer, like, with the swords and spears and things like that. So he took out a red turban and he tied it. And uh, he uh, read uh, uh, some lines of poetry that in extempore that he made up. Uh, that he said, Ana ladhi ahadani khalili wa nahnu bi that I am the one I took a covenant and a pact with my Khalil sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the one whose love has mixed with my heart until I cannot tell where does his love start and where does my heart end where does my love where does his my heart start and where does his love end sallallahu alayhi wasallam when we were in the rocky tract under the shade of the palm the, at the Bayat al-Aqaba it's a small place in Mina at the beginning of Mina on the side of Makkah Mukarrama he said that, that at that place I took this pact with my Khalil sallallahu alayhi wasallam that I'll never get caught standing in the back row and I'll uh, uh, I'll strike with the sword of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the hadith is very interesting it ends with what? it ends that he took that sword and he busted open the heads of the mushrikeen with it. Sayyidina Zubair bin Awam radiallahu anhu said, I followed him around in the field of battle. I looked for him, like I was trying to check up on him, you know? And he said, I would just see dust come up in the, like the, 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 the flare of the turban. And then when the dust would settle, there's just like people fallen. Just like flies, there's people fallen. This much, most people know this much about the story. This much is not the point I'm trying to make is not, not this much. This much is very popularly even Riyal the Salihin, we read it when, it when it was that dars, we read that dars uh, uh, from before. The thing I wanted to mention is this is, do you know how he how he finally passed away? He obviously survived that day. Uh, how he finally passed away was what? It was in the battle of Yamama. Yamama is a the fortification of Banu Hanifa. And this is the tribe of Musaylamatul Kadhab, the one who, the Beghirat, who wrote a letter to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know his name is actually Maslama, it's not Musaylama. Right? Musaylama means what? Like little Maslama. Like it's a taunt. It's a taunt that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam aimed at him. The person says, oh, it's bad, so, you know, adab, don't be petty. No. The adab for a person who lies about being a Nabi is that you treat that person like they're nothing. 
You treat that person like they're a scoundrel. You treat that person with as much disdain as a human being can take. Why? Because your Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did it. And his, he referred to himself as Maslama, the Messenger of Allah, Rasulullah, you're Musaylamat al Kadhab, you're little Maslama, the one who everything he says is a lie. He wrote a letter back to him and he called him that. And it's in Tahrir, it's one of the few things that the Rasulullah left for us in writing. There are very few things, that's one of them. And so the companions of Allah took it personally. That battle, the battle of Yamama, they took it personally. Many of the first converts to Islam, including Abu Hudayfa bin Utbah and his freed slave Salim, from the first converts to Islam from amongst the Quraysh. It's the brother of Hind, uh, 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 the wife of Abu Sufyan. And one of the reasons she was so upset was about with the Muslims was what? Was because they were opposing her husband, they killed her father, they killed her one of her brothers, they killed her uncle. And on top of it, what unconsolably angered her was that her brother was one of the Muslims and that his slave, because he learned the Quran faster than he did, he actually freed him. And the two of them, uh, he treated him, basically adopted him as a son, which was later revoked with the uh, abrogation of, of tabani, of, 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 uh, of adoption. But he, they, they, they basically were like exempted into the system as mahrams for one another. Both of them were buried in the same grave on the battlefield of Yamama. So many, so many of the great companions were shaheed in that battle. Why? Because they took the nubu'ah, the khatm al-nubu'ah of the Prophet personally. So many of them were shaheed in that battle. That was the occasion of the first compilation of the, the text of the Qur'an because so many Hafad were actually shaheed in, in that battle. Sayyidina Abu Bakr who was hitherto reticent to compile a written copy from beginning to end. Although there, there are written attestations to the different ayat incomplete for sure. But to compile the mushaf, he was reticent to do so because the, he said the Rasul didn't do it during his lifetime. He was convinced. Why? Because if a battle like this happens again, then what will happen is that there'll be a, a, a chance for people to object that maybe someone tampered with the integrity of the Quran. That's how many people were shaheed on that day. Who else were the shuhada of that day? Who else were the participants in that day? Harb, uh, 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 Harb the uh, Wahshi, sorry, uh, the, um, the slave that Hind freed for assassinating Sayyidina Hamza عنه, on the battlefield, who the Rasul accepted his Islam but politely requested him not to come around the majlis because of how much pain and grief it gave him just to remember his uh, uncle who was literally mutilated and cut to pieces. You've seen pieces of his uncle, the one who defended him when no one else was there to defend him. The one even Sayyidina Umar was coming and they thought he was going to come and kill the Prophet Everybody else was afraid. Hamza was the only one who said, let him in. If he wants good, we'll give him good. And if he wants trouble, we'll give him trouble. That Hamza he saw, and this, this uh, Wahshi he knew this is my chance to this is my chance to like correct what I screwed up. And so he he says the same spear I brought the same spear to that battle. My intention was I'm going to kill, uh, I'm going to take out this uh, Musaylama. 
and he describes he describes it. He literally he said with the same spear he kept the spear. He said that with the same spear, I killed the best of people, and with the same uh, spear I killed the, the 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 most despicable of people. Who else was there at the Battle of Yamama? Although Wahshi survived, who else was shaheed in the Battle of Yamama? Samak ibn Kharshata Abu Dujana. And how was he shaheed? This is like many years later, right? How was he shaheed? He asked, he asked the soldiers of the army to carry him in a shield and to, and to like push the shield up so hard and so fast that it, it gives them a boost so he can get onto the walls of, uh, of the fortifications of, of Yamama and that he can come inside, fight the guards off and throw the gates open. And he did it actually. And on his way out, while he was running out, uh, 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 he sorry when he landed, when they threw him up, he had broken his foot, so he wasn't able to. He actually fought off the guards and he got out, but he wasn't able to run, and so they closed in on him, and he uh, uh, he he became the tasdiq of the ayah of the Quran. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. Uh, from the believers there are such men that made true on the covenant that they pledged uh, uh, with Allah Ta'ala amongst them there are those who uh, gave their life and from amongst them there are those who are only waiting تَبْدِيلًا تَبْدِيلًا they're, they're, they're waiting the only difference between them and the ones who gave their lives for the sake of Allah Ta'ala is that they're just waiting they're waiting for, for when their turn comes up then they'll do it as well they didn't change in the least they didn't change in the least they weren't like good one day and then the next day uh, you know they, they don't care anymore and so he he was shaheed in the path of Allah Ta'ala. The point I wanted to make out of all of this, this like long story recounting it is what what drove him was what ahadini khalili. He was cognizant of his pledge that he made with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he took it personally. He could have sat back, he was already well known, he was already famous, he already got the sword, he already had the big Isabatul Mawt, he already put in the time, he did the khidmah for Islam that nobody else is going to do anyway afterward. But he took it personally and that's what used to drive them. This is a dars of tasawuf, this is a dars of tasawuf. This is not a dars of fiqh, it's not a dars of history, it's not even a dars of hadith, strictly speaking in the sense that Riyadh al-Salihin is a comp- compilation of, of, of ayat of the Book of Allah Ta'ala and the hadith of the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the topic of the madda is what? Is to instruct a person in their suluk toward Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and they're traveling the spiritual path. The point of recounting all of this is what? That if you wish to travel the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way you will do it is through what? This love that they used to carry. And because they carried this love, when amanu bimithli ma amantum bihi faqad ihtadaw. Muhammadun Rasulullah, walladhina ma'ahu ashidda'u ala al kufari ruhama'u bainuhum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ All of these places where Allah Ta'ala praises the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the thing that they had is what? 
is that they carried this love of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They took it personally. They didn't need to hear history books and fancy talks. The, we give bayan nowadays. The Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't used to give bayan in that sense. He used to speak at, you know, very softly, and he used to speak very simple words. He'd repeat like the few things he said three times, and that was it. And they would listen very intently to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that was, I mean, it wasn't, you know, you don't have this like long. Uh, uh, like uh, orations that are narrated from him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You have them like narrated from people like Hajjaj or whatever, but you don't have narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Kalam musajja is like it's as if it's a kind, some sort of soothsayer, like saying spooky words or whatever. That's not you don't see that from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They didn't need to have the hindsight of history and architecture and, you know, this Kaaba made out of marble and gold, Masjid al-Haram made of marble and gold, Masjid Nabawi made of marble and gold. They didn't need to see any of those things. He said it and they believed him. They took it personally. They said, if he said it, it's true. That's it, you know. They said, wouldn't you rather Muhammad die in your place today? And what was the response? I would rather die than even like a thorn come into his foot, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They took it personally. That love is what made them لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That Allah Ta'ala has indeed been pleased with the believer, believers. And that is why their love is the antidote against nifaq. And that's why it is دِينٌ وَإِيمَانٌ وَإِحْسَانٌ بُغْضُهُمْ كُفْرٌ وَنِفَاقٌ وَطُغْيَانٌ Like Tahawi says that their love is your sharia and it is your uh, aqidah and it is your tasawuf and to hate them is kufr outwardly and it is nifaq it's kufr inwardly and it is deviance it's being crooked that's like the state of being crooked is to not like them because who couldn't love them i mean they weren't masumin they weren't people who were like divinely protected from error but they're the first ones if they made a mistake to repent in their repentance and in even the way that they committed their sins there's a great lesson for us and even if a person were to identify a sin that they did the sins of the ones that Allah Ta'ala loves are more are more virtuous than the good deeds of the people Allah Ta'ala hates and Allah Ta'ala hates the people who what the person who hates the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah Ta'ala hates that person their hajj he hates it their salat he hates it their, their, uh, their fasting he hates it their charity he hates it the masajid they build he doesn't accept them their masajid are referred to as masjid dirar none of it Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept any of it at all there's a great lesson in it for us as well that we should love them and take their love personally as well as part of the uh, taking the love of uh, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam personally uh, and so this is one of the things I wanted to share from uh, uh, the gathering and uh, this is uh, uh, you know if this is the only benefit a person takes from it inshallah it's not only good for the week it's good for an entire lifetime it will straighten afterward if you want to be Hanafi Shafi it's up to you you can show follow any tariqah, no tariqah. If you love the companions, and your suluk is on their path, and your fiqh is their fiqh, and your uh, sharia is their sharia, and your iman is their iman, your aqidah is their aqidah, you'll be fine. They're like the stars, whichever one of them you follow, you'll be guided. Even if every Mawlana yells and screams and is upset at you, still it's, you'll still be fine. And Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala rasulih Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi.